0: Hello and welcome to our March 2022 episode of Talent Talks, a podcast and video series brought to you through the cooperation of the Tallinn City Centre government, the City Centre New Arrivals Council and the City of Tallinn as part of the Tallinn City Centre for New Arrivals project. I am Solis Rose Corte and I'm part of Tallinn's international community, happy to help you connect to your new city and feel more like a local. Now, on this episode of Talent Talks, we'll take a somewhat somber approach as we talk about the issues surrounding an event that not only devastated an entire country, but also shook the world to its core. Russia's military invasion of Ukraine on the 24th of February led over 2.3 million people who once called Ukraine home to flee to neighboring countries. As at the time this report was filed, almost 15,000 of Ukrainian refugees had arrived on the shores of Estonia. Now, as Ukrainians who were already resident in Tallinn woke up to this terrible news, how did they feel? And how have the weeks that have followed Putin's invasion of their homeland impacted their lives, their perception of their future, and that? Of their nation. Our guests will share their stories with us. You don't want to miss it. Then on a comparatively lighter note, the 14th of March is marked as Estonian Native Language Day. My co-host Chantel and her guests will explore the various aspects of the Estonian language from its social cultural links and implications to its ties to the very identity of the Estonian people. And as expats, myself included, trying our best to integrate into Estonian society, we might just (laughs) learn a few tips and tricks on how to fully immerse ourselves in this unique language. Stay tuned for all these discussions right here on Talent Talks. But as usual, the local news. Let's start off the news with stories surrounding the Ukrainian crisis. The city of Tallinn has allocated 150,000 euros of its reserve funds to support partner cities Kyiv and Odessa. This comes after an initial 25,000 euros was allocated to the Estonian Red Cross in providing humanitarian aid to the people of eastern Ukraine. The city government has also donated two state-of-the-art ambulances towards this cause of the 150,000 euros donated one hundred thousand of this will be apportioned to the Talent Strategic Management Office to cover the purchase of goods and transport costs of humanitarian aid to Kiev, while the remaining fifty thousand euros will be directed at supporting the people of Odessa through the Red Cross. Now, Talent Mayor Mikhail Kovat confirmed these details, adding that proposals are being considered to increase the city's reserve fund in a supplementary budget to ensure that any. Anything- future costs incurred unforeseen or not, from both assisting the refugees and the running of the refugee center will be catered for. On the 5th of March, a representative of the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, addressed the city of Tallinn, requesting for humanitarian assistance. By all indications, Tallinn has responded positively to this call. And speaking of positive responses, from March 10, 2022, the city of Tallinn is organizing a collection of everyday items in the district administrations. This call was necessitated by the fact that many people who fled Ukraine in the wake of Russia's military invasion had to do so with little to no personal belongings. Initially handled at the refugee centers, the deputy mayor of Tallinn, Bettina Beskina, has urged those who wish to donate to take their donations to the collection points at the district administration. Now, this will allow for proper transportation, sorting and distribution to those in need across Tallinn. Now, although grateful for all kinds of donations, the deputy mayor stressed the need for the items of focus to be clean and decent clothes and shoes now unsurprisingly the majority of refugees arriving in the city are women of various ages as well as adolescents and children of both sexes now donations will be accepted from Thursday 10th March have been accepted since then in each district. So please bring them to the following addresses. You'll find addresses in Kesklin District Government. You'll find it in Mustamai District Government. Um, there's also the District Government Facebook page that you can visit to find more locations. Christine District Government, Pohia talin Community Center, Leicester May District Government. Um, and you'll also find the various days and times where these um, Collection points are also active. For further information, in case you want to find out more about what is needed at most in a particular moment, kindly contact the various district governments as well. So, we're still on the subject of war, but a slightly different kind, because Tallinn has marked the anniversary of the 1944 March 9 bombing, as well as the Ukraine war victims. On this day 78 years ago, the Soviet Air Force bombed the city of Tallinn in two waves of air raids, leaving 554 Estonians dead destroying a total of 1,549 buildings and damaging 3,350 other ones. Now, this number accounted for about a third of the city's residential buildings at the time. Nearly 20,000 inhabitants lost their homes. Now, Estonia, the National Theater, was among key buildings destroyed, whilst Old Town's Harju Street was badly damaged. Now, on the other hand, and in more recent history, on the 24th of February 2022, Russia launched a war against Ukraine, bombing residential buildings and civilian infrastructure, including hospitals in Ukrainian cities. Now, the number of civilians killed and wounded in the attacks is estimated by the United Nations to have exceeded 1,000 and still counting now hundreds of thousands of people have fled the war in Ukraine and many more have been displaced within the country the day was marked by a memorial service held at the burial site of the victims of the March bombing in the Sislin cemetery a prayer service was led by the high priest of the Estonian Apostolic Orthodox Church a memorial concert uh, in the Church of the Holy Spirit and a candle lighting on Hadron Street in honor of the victims also took place now in If you're out there and you wish to support the victims of the Ukrainian war, these refugees, please visit www.ukrainehacks.aa. You can also donate to the Estonian Red Cross or become a volunteer. Simply visit www.redcross.ee for more information. Now, moving away from the sea of support flowing in from across the world for persons affected by the Ukrainian war to other victims of this conflict, the animals, yes the animals. Now, thankfully, they have not been left out as Talon Zoo has joined other zoos worldwide to collect donations in support of the staff and animals. Now, although animals have had no part in this conflict, they have also been adversely affected with their lives and environment put in jeopardy. From the onset of the invasion, Feldman Eco Park in Kharkiv was hit, damaging exhibits and wounding and killing some animals. Areas around the polar bear and tiger enclosures at the Live Zoo were also bombed. Some animals in Kiev Zoo have been relocated to shelters, while about 50 staff and their families have made a home in the zoo to care for these understandably frightened and stressed animals. Tate Mahan, director of the Tallinn Zoo, has echoed the organization's unflinching support for the endangered animals and their carers. All donations from Estonian residents will be handed over to the Ukrainian aquaria and zoos through the European Association of Zoos and Aquaria, ESA, rescue operation. Donations for Ukraine zoos can be made via Tallinn Zoo on the e eServices page. You can also visit www.tallinnzoo.ee for more information. <music> So, away from all issues regarding the war, let's move on to some much lighter news. On the 6th of March, Tallinn launched its newest initiative with free admissions to city-owned museums. This will Happen on the first Sunday of every month. The keen interest in free museum Sundays was reflected in the numbers recorded on the 6th of March, compared to a regular Sunday. Now, a total of 4,806 people visited the branches of Talent City Museum. Of this number, 1,950 visited the Cake in the Creek Fortification Museum. 900 visited the City Life Museum. And 550 went to the Photography Museum. Yeah. The Miller Children's Museum hosted 450 visitors, with 380 people spending time exploring the Kalamaya Museum. The Talon Russian Museum and the Peter I House saw 320 and 256 visitors, respectively. There was a significant increase in visitors to the Literary Center Museums, too. Tamsara Museum saw 110 visitors. Vidit Museum saw 119 and 50. 15- went to the UNT Museum. In all, the reception as well as feedback about the event has been positive. And Karel Oya, Deputy Mayor for Culture, says, the initiative has opened the doors for people who would have otherwise never visited the museums. Director of the Talent City Museum, Heli Nurga, thanked the volunteers who helped make the event a success, adding that visitors' feedback will be taken into account and the lessons learned will be applied to ensure the success of subsequent events currently only city-owned museums are involved in the free museum sunday program and Tallinn is hoping to extend an invitation to other museums across the city to join the program now the next talent museum sunday will be on the 3rd of april 2022 for more information visit wwwtallinnee forward slash And in other news, the Estonian National Adaptation Programme Settle in Estonia seems to have gained more popularity as the number of participants rose by 16 percent compared to the previous year, with Estonian language training being the most popular subject. Work, entrepreneurship and family training modules were also popular. Last year, 1,950 participants took part in the training courses, this year The number rose to 2,262. Participants were made up of various nationalities, primarily from Russia, Ukraine, Nigeria and India. Most of these participants came to Estonia to work, study or live with a family member. According to Maria Asma, head of the Department of Cultural Diversity at the Ministry of Culture. The keen interest in the integration program is a positive one since many more people are moving to Estonia to live and to work. She reiterated the goal of the department to ensure that people who have chosen Estonia as their home will feel comfortable and be provided with the necessary resources to help them adapt well to the Estonian way of life and settle in faster. The importance of understanding the social cultural, financial and legal landscape in Estonia cannot be downplayed and the director called on employers to encourage their non-Estonian employees to participate in the integration programs. Now on the numbers. In 2021, Estonian language courses topped the list with 905 participants. The module outlining the values and the principle of Estonian state was attended almost 400 times and training on work and entrepreneurship more than 60 times. One day thematic training sessions on the adaptation program are held in English and Russian. Language courses A1 and A2 take between three and five months. to. The Settle in Estonia program is a program designed to provide an overview of the Estonian state and society as well as daily life in Estonia. The program provides newcomers with answers to important questions from their rights and obligations in Estonia to how to open a bank account, for instance, find a family doctor, or how to find and enroll their children in educational institutions. Now a better knowledge of the local way of life in Estonia will help foreigners to settle in better and to contribute to the development of the Estonian economy and the society. The program is open to all foreigners, that's including you, with residence permits and rights who have arrived in Estonia within the last five years. Last year, 4,014 EU citizens registered their residence in Estonia for the first time. In 2021, 6,087 third-country nationals were granted a primary temporary residence permit, compared to 4,710 in 2020. Now, temporary residence permits are issued in Estonia for work study, business, or for family migration. Since 2015, more than 10,600 individuals have participated in this program.
1: is Estonian Native Language Day, which comes shortly after February 21st, which is the International Mother Language Day. The Estonian language is the second smallest national language in the world behind Icelandic, but it is something that is tied so closely to national identity, culture, and even politics in Estonia that it's deeply important to Estonians and a part of every foreigner's transition to life in Estonia. Today, we have with us uh, Martin Lan, the founder of the eResidency Hub and founding partner of Expat Relocation Estonia, Monika Linde Klemet, who studied Estonian language and literature at Tallinn University and is an Estonian language teacher now, and Danil Osipov, who has worked all over the world but moved to Estonia last year to start an e commerce company and is now starting the journey of studying Estonian. So, thanks for joining us, everyone. We've got quite the crew on today. Okay, so um, starting with, I'll put a question out to to everybody. So one of the things I've noticed, I've been here three years, um, and one of the things I've noticed uh, is is how much language means to Estonians. So it's not only just you know functional, operational. It's it's deeply cultural, it's even kind of political in a way. You know, you listen to to the president or the prime minister and you'll frequently hear the terms Estonian speakers, Russian speakers, non-Estonian speakers, you know, coming up in politics. So, I mean, what does language as as Estonians and as foreigners mean to you? And and can you give us some context around how tied the language is really to the culture here? I don't know who wants to start us off.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Chantel, for this question. I think you've you've, you've hit the, a really important spot there, and language really is important for Estonians. Uh, uh, I give you an example. Uh, if you take the Estonian Constitution, then and if you read the very first part, the introductory part of the Constitution, then it really says that the 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 main reason for the Estonian country, the state, to exist is to preserve the the language and the culture. So the country doesn't oh, wow. exist to provide for, I don't know, nice living for its citizens or <laughs> development or in or any of that. The, the main, the one and only reason why Estonian country, the state exists is to make sure that the language and culture are preserved and developed for generations to come. Wow. So okay. th- it's all about the language, even leg- legally speaking. And, and the other point that I wanted to make was that if you come from a country where uh, that is more popular, whether it's France or Canada or UK, there are many places in the world where you can use your language. Uh, but in Estonia, for us Estonians, Estonia is the only place where we can practice that language. So, so it makes it even more uh, unique. So yes, it's all about the language.
1: Interesting. I didn't know that about the constitution. And I think I read a stat, for example, somewhere that said there are 100, around 165,000 Estonian speakers abroad, which, you know, when considered uh, dispersed globally across the world is, I'm sure, very, very small pockets to, to your point, um, which actually exist out- well, opportunities to speak the language outside of the country. Great. Um, what about uh, Monica You, um, Estonian has obviously been a big part of, of your education and your career as well, so.
3: Yes, and I would say that uh, we don't have anything much apart from the language. In a way, we are not a huge country. We don't have any special, you know, resources. But the but the language is something we have, and it's really close, closely, closely related, as you said, with that identity. And if we look back to the Soviet period, especially then, language was kind of a secret weapon that kept kept it alive, and
1: Actually, it hasn't changed. And that's, a, that's um, an interesting one. I, it's something I've always actually wondered, which is uh, how did the language, or how was the language used during the Soviet occupation times? Was it more, to your point, a, a kind of secret weapon? Was it still the like, widely spoken, expected language of the country? Um, or did it take a bit of a backseat to, to the Russian language during that period?
3: I mean, as much as I understood, we had two official languages at that time Estonian and Russian yes mm-hmm. Estonian was very much used actively and i think the language culture everything related to the language was even more important than ever ever after because that was um, again as you said the secret secret identity of
1: weapons in a way Right, and it was it something that bad, I guess maybe? couldn't be taken away. You know, you can't yeah, take away exactly. someone's someone's actual spoken language. Interesting. Okay,
2: yeah. I, can, uh, can I can I make a comment yeah. on that? Mm-hmm. During the Soviet era, uh, the official language in the Estonian uh, Republic or Estonian Socialist Republic was Russian. There was it, there were no two official languages. Oh. There was one, yeah. and that was Russian. At the same time. Um, the school system, there was a dual school system, and there still is. Uh, So there were uh, Estonian schools and Russian schools, and obviously all the cultural bits uh, continued to exist, you know, the theatres and the song festivals and literature and all that. Obviously there was censorship and all that, but but the the, the language was not, it, it didn't disappear. However, if you wanted to write an official application to some government institution or to go to the i don't know to the city government then then the documentation was usually at least there was no you couldn't expect to to be able to speak estonian and then okay. the, the officials as well uh, they could just insist saying that look uh, we speak in russian so that was uh, that was the thing but but obviously uh, monica is right in pointing out that, that that the language and the culture and the literature was something that was not taken away from us. And, and it was an important, the key piece of this sort of cultural identity. And also the the, the the situations and the developments in the late 80s and early 90s of the last century were a lot revolving around uh, the language.
1: Got it. And if we fast forward to, to today, so obviously one of, and, and you'll know this well, Martin, but obviously one of... Estonia's big selling points is it's kind of open up and open up to the globe, you know, be an E resident, set up your company here, come to work in Estonia. Um, side by side with that, there's obviously this ongoing push and maybe they're related, maybe they're in, in, independent um, to, to continue to preserve the language as Estonia gets more global and opens up more and more to foreigners living here and in, in, in the world. So how... Um, How does the country balance this? You know, wanting to be more open to to foreigners, but similarly, you know, having very, actually being extremely generous in their expectations of foreigners to speak Estonian, to integrate from a language perspective versus, for example, I, you know, I'd lived in, in, in France for many years and it was absolutely expected of me that, you know, I, if I was to live there long-term, I spoke French, I would work in French, etc. Um, so, yeah, so how does the country kind of balance that increase in globalization with the need to preserve this kind of um, very small but very, uh, very important part of the culture?
2: I was, uh, I've always, uh, when we run this Settle in Estonia program in which we, we teach Estonian language, uh, Monica being one of our teachers and Daniel being one of our students, um, then I, I, I talk to, my, to the teachers in the team a lot and I have this understanding and, and that at this moment there has never in history been such a large amount of people, foreigners, who are interested in learning Estonian once again during the soviet era and probably also before that learning estonian was the was the field of language freaks like if you were <laughs> a, a linguist <laughs> if you were a linguist then you were probably interested in this uh, quirky little uh, northern uh, mm. language called estonian but for the general public this was a non issue i mean why would you bother learning estonian so now we have this demand from people who have come to live here, uh, have maybe created families here or simply work here, and they are—they need this language in order to live. At the same time, they, they are also sort of mildly interested in the culture and the language, so there is this element as well. At the same time, it is perfectly fine to live and work, in, at least in Tallinn and Tartu, without speaking Estonian. So uh, either if you speak Russian or or English, it's perfectly fine. You don't starve to death uh, (laughs) uh, without knowing Estonian. So, um, you know, the balance is is there. We need to train more Estonian language teachers to meet this demand. Mm. But at the same time, I don't think we should squeeze the foreigners too much into learning Estonian because many people come to Estonia not because of their interest in the language, but because of their work and, and, and other reasons. And we shouldn't somehow belittle that. Uh, mm. So yes, there is the balance. And I think we are, we are uh, trying to make keep the, the, the balance there. Uh, and the, the, the problem at the moment, I think, is mostly the, the lack of good Estonian language teachers. Okay, uh, And I think uh, this is something that over the coming years we need to work on.
1: Yeah, I think, Most you know, actually. Oh, go ahead, Monica. I'm sorry,
3: I was wondering that, yes, there isn't such a pressure that you definitely need Estonian. If you work at WISE or Pipe Drive, you can live your day without any Estonian. Yet it is lovely to see how many students really come to our lessons and say, Hey, I have a girlfriend, boyfriend, I want to talk to his, her grandmother. Many people say that it's my respect that I learn the language. I want to cope better in society, go to the doctors. Yeah, there's a lot of positive interest I see.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask if it's mainly you know, families or people that want to get permanent residency. Obviously, that is a requirement. It's not just a requirement. I mean, B1 is, is very ambitious and, and, and you know, something to, to really aspire to. But maybe Danil, um, what was your driver for, you, you moved here last year and you were already doing your, your Estonian lessons. So what was your driver?
2: Yeah,
4: look, I I think that I agree. And it's also overlapping. I agree with Martin, what he was saying, uh, uh, answering the previous questions for me, is uh, in a way that language is a reflection of your culture. And as far as I see more and more people who decided to come to Estonia, love Estonia, and decided to stay here. And if you decide to stay here and not be forever the stranger and uh, live in an isolated society, you you have to learn this language. And uh, it opened quite a lot of new, interesting, uh, like, but doors, ideas, like uh, exchanging of information. And uh, this is I think that's the main driver also for me. And I see that uh, I was lucky to work in Estonia like several years ago, and uh, I was also trying to to study Estonian. Uh, at that time it was not successful, but uh, you as, as much said, you can't survive in Estonia without Estonian and it's amazing. So how like yeah. good people speak English? how many people speak English here and good English? But uh, again, if you are here, if you decide to stay here, if you decide to uh, better understand the culture and people here, so you have to, you have to, you have to speak local language. And it's actually an exciting, journey. I really enjoy my classes. Yeah. I also enjoy how group because really it's from all around the world, from from all, all around the world. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And just, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was thinking. Look, if you if you live in Estonia and you don't speak uh, the language, as I said, you'll be fine. Particularly if you already have a job and if you come here to do a particular job, then, but then you would be living like with one eye closed. You you'll 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 be fine. Uh, but if you learn it, then you get. I think you get two things. One, you you do get to understand the Estonian society, and yeah. you you will be able to make more friends. And there is this notorious. Uh, Myth about Estonians being uh, very hard to approach, etc. etc. Uh, the language is the key. Yeah, you, 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 this is how you open them up a bit, us up okay. a bit. And the other thing is, if you are not here uh, as a corporate transferee, you are here as somebody who is looking for a job, then knowing Estonian will unlock the 80% of jobs that are there that you otherwise don't have access so if you if you don't speak a language and you're simply looking around for something to do in terms of work, then I think your, your opportunities are down to about 20.
1: Okay. So putting my hands up as the corporate transferee who came here with a job in an English-speaking tech company um, with a very English-speaking team, so day in, day out, you know, all of us are, are speaking English, um having made now two failed attempts in my three years to start and really kind of get on a language program and and stick with it and really put the time in um i will put my hands up and say i'm exactly the person martin that you're you're talking about with the one i closed you know i perfectly get by every day um everyone from 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 the plumber to the the hairdresser to the the person the shop speaks english perfectly well and and for me to have those conversations um but now i'm wondering what part of this kind of culture am i am i one eye close to and what am i not seeing by not knowing knowing the language and i think um one of the things that i find quite daunting and maybe danila you can talk to this as well is these failed attempts i've had uh have come from a place of i feel like i'm never going to get this you know i'll oh um I'll start, I'll learn, you know, the common, common verbs, the common words. <clears throat> and then I remember last summer I was in the forest and having this amazing Estonian day and I pull over on the side of the road and there's a man uh, selling honey and he's selling his, his jars of honey. And I said, uks um, messy. And he was like, what? I said, uks um, messy. And he said, uh, and I, I thought I've said two words. I've said two words. I have a, I have an, I have an eighty <laughs> percent level of confidence that they were the right words. Like I do know the word for one. I do know the word for honey, um, and it, I just couldn't get there. And I thought, I am never going to get to a point where I can actually have a conversation um, in this. So, is there is there this? What's the learning curve like of learning Estonian? Um, is it you know it's really hard, but it gets down to fine-tuning some of the pronunciation. Estonians are just not used to hearing us absolutely butcher Estonian with foreign accents. Um, you know, They're not used to uks and uks and whatever, that, that fine nuances that I'm, I'm not gonna capture on day one. Um, maybe Monica, do you see your students kind of get to this point where there's this light bulb moment of I can actually be understood now?
3: Yes, I would say just uh,
1: hang in there. <laughs> <you up. laughs> I know that when
3: you're coming from the English language background, the pronunciation is the issue. I understood your messy very well. because
1: <laughs> There I'm was honey. It was there. There was only honey. It was yeah. the only thing being sold. Anyway. <laughs> because I'm exactly I'm used right. to
3: different uh, accents, but probably with these old uh, gen- or young, I don't know, gentlemen <laughs> in the countryside, never seen anyone trying to speak, Student, yeah. And it's all about getting, getting used to. And, of course, there is a learning curve. People are so different. But, I mean, I have seen so many people coming zero levels to my lesson and in two years to speak. Okay. It, it is possible. I can okay. promise. <laughs> I and can where promise
1: does in there. <laughs> where does that, um, you know, obviously there's the language system of A1, A2, B1, etc. Where does that kind of, I guess, almost level of... I can go and do some basic things in Estonia and really kick in. Do you see that happening around your students that are kind of at the A, finishing their A1? Daniel, do you feel like you can go into a store and kind of, you know, do some... At, you're at A1 level, I think. You can, uh, A1, you know, yeah, yeah. do some things. <laughs> yeah, well,
4: I think that when you're A1, you try and to do things. Yeah, okay. And this is most important things like keep trying because uh, <laughs> it was only the same with English language. so you you, you start understanding the basics, you start understanding, the uh, you, you knowing like basic phrases and you start shooting them at Estonian people and see what, what will be the reaction. And it, this is the only way to do it. And I think that uh, coming to your question that your point is different for, for each and every person, of course as Monica said. But as far as you get this, like like several several sentences, which you are already familiar with, and which you can ask and can decode the answer, which you're getting. So I think that for many people, it it is a it is a turning point, and you start like being involved and uh, being maybe more confident uh, that you can do it. Okay. <laughs> it's not easy, but there's no
2: there's no other way.
1: Okay, so
2: I just I need to teaching teaching adults and-
4: is probably sorry, sorry, Daniel, go ahead. No, I, I have an, and uh, several several examples right, like like uh, in my life. So I, I I used to know people who speak perfect Estonian, not being Estonians, and uh, I have an example from my wife who started a bit earlier than I did, and she passed through B1 level, like for example, oh. B1, yeah, B1, and she can can like sub like. Maintain the conversation in Estonian quite well, wow. so everything is possible. You just need to keep keep yeah. going, and uh,
2: it will be rewarded.
1: <laughs> okay, and sorry, Martin, what were you going to say?
2: Yes, yeah, sorry, Martin. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to say Monica can correct me if if I uh, <laughs> overshoot my authority here, but uh, <laughs> um, I think to have a to have a normal conversation about random stuff in life, simple stuff beyond one messy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think B1 is that kind of level and uh, because then you will feel more or less comfortable in understanding what's going on around you and you can can, uh, chip in with your thoughts and ideas and obviously uh, you know groceries and stuff but to get from zero to this level uh, our students often ask you know uh, how long does it take my answer is this if you are a linguistically talented person and you have experience with learning foreign language before, and you're willing to put in six, seven, or so hours a week, then you can do it in a year.
1: A year, okay.
2: Uh, if but that's you know then, then you are a, a linguist and you, you this is yep. what you do in life. You learn Estonian. If you do it at the side of your work or your family life and everything else, and you're you know tired and exhausted, and you do it once. A week, or maybe two evenings per yeah. week, it could take a year and a half, up to two. Yep. And, and and if you if you do this just as a hobby, in order to you know when you go back from Estonia to your home country, in order to just uh, over a couple of beers. It's a uh, great party trick. Friends, <laughs> so I, I can know if, to do party tricks. Uh, if if that's your goal, then the party tricks you can do in a matter of a couple of days. But this is where you stay. So totally. you really need to. To to get to that B one level, without that effort uh, uh, that I described, I think is impossible. But yeah. to the party trick level, you can get in a couple of days, uh, <laughs> and and otherwise, a year to to to, um, to eighteen months, I think is realistic. Okay, and, and it, it also means it also means that if you if you come from uh, Korea or Japan or, or some place where where language is really different. Uh, also, the the alphabet. Then it may take another extra
1: half year. Okay, Monica, do you? Because obviously Estonia is not super close to other other languages in the way of, for example, French and, and Italian or something would be more related. Um, do you see that there are certain people who do pick it up or easier in your classes? For example, do Finnish people pick it up um, more quickly? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I would say for Finnish students, yes, it is, it's much easier. Okay. But, well, the other, um,
3: I can't really say it. It is only the speaker.
1: Okay. And then it really
3: depends on the effort,
1: the time, yeah. the talent.
3: Definitely. And, of course, the people often feel guilty that, oh, I have so bad a student level, or oh, I've lived here for 10 years. And there's no need to, I would say, feel so bad because it's an effort. I'm taking Russian classes now. I know it's an effort. I haven't done my homework for the next week. It, it's great, they make an effort and they slowly study, you know. Yeah. It, it's normal. We are all adults, we have jobs, children, everything. It takes time.
1: <laughs> and what is it? Mm. So I hear, um, you know, people constantly say, oh, it's a really hard language to learn, which, you know, any language is always challenging to learn when it's not your mother tongue, but I'm sure there are, there are easy ones to learn and whatever. Um, but we hear it's a, it's a hard language to learn. Digging into um, a couple of pieces of almost like, what are those challenges, Monica, when you're talking things things through with people? So um, for me, I almost just got to the point in my book where... uh, they were trying to explain what a case is, right? And I'm, you know, I obviously speak English um, and I speak French relatively fluently um, and I go into a language and I'm like, all right, if I just learn the tenses, if I just learn I am, he was, you know, she is, I will be, whatever, I'm I'm good, right? Just verb conjugation. Mm. And then I I get to the part of the book where it's like, "No, no, 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 cases are on nouns. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're adjusting nouns? For things now, like it's that <laughs> I don't, I don't just change that bit. I change this bit too, um, and this kind of I was like, oh, that's why everyone's talking about these kind of cases and what, uh, and the fact that that makes it hard. Um, talk to me about those or other parts of the language potentially where you're like, yeah, these are the pieces that, that people really either struggle to, to to get hold of, or that you find you have to you have to explain um, to people.
3: Yeah, I mean the nouns. Especially for English speakers, you don't change your nouns. No. I go to the shop I put something on the table, you have prepositions, whereas we, we don't have the prepositions. Um, in that sense, we, we glue it to the end of the noun. We change the noun and nouns change a lot. <laughs> and this scares people, and there's uh, not uh, often very visible logic why they change. We often just say, we just have to learn them. <laughs> the similarities you start to here similarities, how the noun changes, and there's a lot of learning uh,
1: by heart or constantly checking a dictionary.
3: Okay. It seems so illogical often for learners, and this frustrates them.
1: Got it. So maybe that's why, because I'm a very, if I learn a formula, I can get the language, like, okay, change every ending into E mm-hmm. accent or AIS or whatever it may be. Yeah. But to the point that someone's just like, you just have to learn it and get used to it, that's where I'm like, yeah, okay, just... Root learning <laughs> is yeah, yes, definitely is a weird. challenge for me. yeah.
2: Yeah. This is the approach difference. and And uh, I see what you just described is this sort of engineer's way of learning the language. Yep. Give me a formula. Yep. and yep. then uh, but this does not jive really well with Estonian because there are so many exceptions. Okay. So the way we teach it uh, at TEPL in Estonia is that we just tell them tell things how they are. Mm-hmm. And, and often we, we, we try not to give the exact the linguistic explanation. We just say, OK, just memorize it, <laughs> accept that this is the way it is. And later, when you have the experience of hearing the language and speaking it, later we can talk about why these things okay. are like that. It's easier, but yeah. it's frustrating for many people who have a very systemic and very engineered type of a way of yeah. thinking.
1: Uh, That will definitely definitely be me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's almost how you learn your mother language, right? Like, that's I I wouldn't have known why I said things in in, in English. I just learned Mm. them that way, right? And then when Mm. you learn, you know, French, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, English does have, you know, conjugations. Okay, yeah, I understand now, like, how language is constructed. So, yeah, you're almost learning Estonian in the same way that you would learn your your mother language, Mm. which is hear it, remember it, repeat it, use it, work it out later why, why you say it that way kind of thing.
2: And you can, the, the, the thing is learning Estonian being in France I think is very, very hard because learning it from a book or from tapes and, and listening to audio is super difficult. But learning it here, it has a different aspect because you can, you can use it, you can hear it in the street and you just remember that this is the way they say it and, and and later on you build on, on why it, they say it exactly the way they do.
1: And what's the best? I mean, what's the best way? Is it the classes? Is it the classes and the apps? There are actually a couple of really good kind of online apps. Is it books and, and classes? Like Monica, what would you recommend as the I guess me- the best method of getting a handle on Estonian?
3: I think um, learning Estonian is really individual. Those people who like to learn on their own, why not using apps? or if one can afford private teacher, that's very quick progress. Okay. But I really suggest the group because uh, people come together, they help each other, they push each other in a way, and it's fun to learn together. And there is a teacher there who can hear your pronunciation and correct it if necessary and give you tips and really, I, I believe in the group work in a okay. way, learning all together.
1: Okay. Okay, so get back involved in the groups, and actually, you know, um, maybe Martin, you through the Settle in Estonia program, um, it was quite easy to at least with the A1. I understand that that getting a spot on A2 and B1 is like uh, a, a fight on the day on the day that the the spots are released. I feel like everyone in my office starts sending out messages like, "Hey, everyone, jump in the queue, jump in the queue." They're opening spots for for lessons, but at least A1 is very easy to get to get into. Um, so, there is a, yeah.
2: There, there, Just by by way of explanation, so there is uh, this is really not something that the client, the the learner, uh, needs to be concerned about. But there are really different kinds of programs. Little in Estonia being narrowly aimed at at foreigners that are new, meaning that have lived in Estonia for less than five years and have a residence permit. So people with visas and also people who have stayed longer then they usually if they want free language classes they usually go through this uh, organization called uh, the integration fund okay yeah so so there are different ones uh, and also i mean our our language courses we try to spread out the registration over the month there is no sort of one five minute effort so what we just by way of a little bit of advertisement we are starting our courses again in September and the okay. co- the registration will begin in all the following months meaning may, june, july and august in the beginning of the month we will open up new groups so, okay. so everybody should find their spot uh but we only do A1 and A2 so for the for the following levels B1 and further on uh, integration fund is the is the way to go, Got it. and also obviously the private schools where, where you have to pay.
1: Got it. Okay. And Danil, you're going through the um, the settle in Estonia program.
4: Yes, yes, yes. I go for settle in Estonia, nice. and uh, I'm uh, in a group. So yeah. Great.
1: And you're finding yeah. it a good way to learn.
4: Look, yeah, I I, I I have experience of uh, studying English as well, and um, I think that when you are in a group, it is adding a lot to your to your to your like maybe speed of your progress because. Yes, you can learn it from uh, from the app, and I do also use the app for memorizing the words, and it's really kind of helpful, and you can do it, uh, at, like, if you have 15 minutes, so you can do it, and it's very helpful. But uh, I really like being in a group because, yes, it's a different dynamic, so the people knows like different words, and you have to exchange that someone knows, like uh, like, one word you know, another one, and then you start... <laughs> Changing that, and then you have to explain to each other because Monica is also giving us a uh, very challenging task every time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Monica is the Estonian uh, language slave uh, driver over there. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, really for me it was amazing. Like after three months of uh, A1, you start understand you you start understanding actually. So like basic things which people think in in the shop. So it, it's it's amazing. Then you. Uh, stop, uh, like, uh, uh, stop being like around, surrounded by the like the sounds and music mm. which you cannot decode. <laughs> and immediately after three months, not immediately, but after three months, you start understanding that it's not the music. It's it's like uh, certain things which people saying to each other, and you can understand some yeah. of some of the things. And it's also triggering really interest in you, and you start browsing the new words, and it's kind of like it's uh, going up and up in terms yeah. of. Uh, words which you're learning and expressions which you're learning. Because you're right, in Estonia, it, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it, it's not only words, so you need to also understand endings and, and expressions and uh, it's, it's better, I think, to learn like sentences by sentences. Yes. At least that's better for me now.
1: No, I, had, I couldn't agree more. I had a, a funny experience um, the other day where um, a friend said someone was full in Estonian. And I'm like, oh, I know that word because it's on my milk. Like the full cream milk has the word full on it. So I know you just said, and I know the verb, and, and whatever, so you just said he is full. Like, what does that what does that mean? And they're like, Oh no, that's how we say someone's drunk, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. so that actually had a very different context. To that had nothing to do with you know my full cream milk, but yeah, I knew I knew parts of the word, but actually nothing to do with the context or or, or how uh, how it was being used. So so definitely, um, can I ask Estonians about this? e-dictation thing. So coming back to the theme of this Native Language Day, um, every year there's this grammar, dictation, spelling competition thing that happens. Um, tell me about that.
3: I mean, it sounds... I was thinking about it the other day. It's like a sporty linguistic event. <laughs> People really want to go sporty in the <laughs> linguistic field. It's basically our national podcast, this radio organizes it every year for a long time now, mm-hmm. and people are ready at ten o'clock. Or I think it's ten o'clock. Having their pencil, and somebody dictates some complicated sentences with a very nuanced grammatical
1: okay. point,
3: and they will write it down and send it back to the radio. And the winner is who writes the fastest and the most. Is it correct.
1: fastest? Okay, fastest and correctness. Okay, got it
3: yeah and i think they have categories as well the linguists and students and just average not usual people but yes martin
2: uh i think in the u.s you have this thing called the spelling spelling
1: bee bee.
3: where
2: where where kids are supposed to spell out words. so it's it's the national spelling bee contest of estonia and and the thing Mm -hmm. is this uh, like spelling words individual words is not complicated in Estonian because Estonian is written exactly as it is uh, yeah. uh, pronounced however um, this takes it to the next level because there is a lot of punctuation issues and there are a lot yeah. of words that are foreign words that that you know you really need to be very particular when you write it and the devil is in all the details so it's it's it's, it's hardcore difficult these are not sentences that say saymettic <laughs> But these are <laughs> these are super complicated, multiple commas sentences, and and yes, as Monica said, there are uh, different categories. So for linguists, for regular people, uh, age groups, et cetera. But I think thousands of people write it, and wow. uh, the, um, the, the 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 contest itself is quite quick. I think it's ten minutes, or or, or okay. not more than that. So they they read out, they read it out twice, and then you have to type it into your computer and press send, Okay. Uh, and then the first first correct answers, and usually there are thousands and thousands of, of entries in which about maybe a dozen or a few dozens are, are 100% correct.
3: Wow. I think I wouldn't be correct,
1: honestly. <laughs> <laughs> They're so detailed. With the and
2: customer, you are, you are a on. linguist. You're a yeah.
3: professional <laughs> of that particular I'm afraid deal. to do
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Knowing Estonia, will yeah. have uh, you know we'll have a, a AI uh, entry in there, which is kind of whose AI program could have you know d- transcribed it um, in the fastest and most correct fashion. Um, so
2: that is sp- a challenge for Elon Musk.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, you mentioned about English words in there, so this is something um, else that I've noticed. Um, over the last couple of years. So I saw, I think it was in 2020 or 2021, there was this um, Sonas, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Now. So Sonau, was it? Sonau, okay. Sonau, Yeah, which was basically um, being run by the government and I think in partnership with with the Vabamu um, Center um, to look at basically Regenerate, re- reviving the Estonian language for words needed for for today's you know society, today's technology, today's day to day, and yeah, I was kind of interested in that. And the words that came out because I'm just trying to remember some of them. There was, for example, "yutla" um, for for chat room, "haksuna" um, for hashtag, uh, things like that. So things that people are saying you know as they're going through Instagram, uh, words for a 3D printer, a r- rumor. Um, for example, Um, where today are there, is there a lot of kind of, what would it be, Estonglish, I guess, uh, words in in the Estonian language? And is there this push more generally to kind of find these, um, you know, ways of expressing modern day life in Estonian and and evolving that language?
2: Can I take a track of that question. Um, um, I, I think it's, uh, one of the things that makes Estonian unique is Estonian, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Estonian is the smallest uh, language in the world that is universal in the sense mm-hmm. that you can use Estonian to write the PhD thesis on astrophysics. You probably cannot do that in Apache or, or in, in, in Zulu. No offense to, to Zulu speakers. Uh, so uh, so we, we have this language that is 100% usable in modernity. Okay. Uh, but that comes a little bit at the price of a uh, borrowed word, whether it's the word for keyboard or monitor or, or, or hashtag. And now there is, I think there is a balance. Of, of uh, ridiculousness, and the, the, on the one hand, where you translate or create new words for everything, and on the other side, where you simply succumb to uh, English and you, you end up with with some sort of a mm-hmm. Um and, and with this or with this campaign for creating new words, time is the best judge of the success. So there are always there are dozens of words that are being proposed but only a few of them catch up. One of the words that has totally caught up is, is daristo, daristo mm. which is the word for infrastructure. Mm. So absolutely nobody now in the Estonian uh, newspapers or interviews uses the word infrastructure. People say daristo and they think it's a real word, because it is. Uh, all these hawks uh, and all these other things, time will tell. But, but I think the challenge is to maintain the language, to keep it. Alive, we need to do some of this word creation. We cannot just let go and say, "Okay, hell with it." You know, it's much easier to say hashtag. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, just a, just an example of, of of the word creation. Many of the words that the Estonian language currently has, people have no idea that these are actually invented words. Mm-hmm. One of such words, curiously curiously enough for the topic of the day, is Ril, which is mm-hmm. weapon. And the word relv is very new. It was invented, I think, in the 30s by a linguist uh, in Estonia. It used to be called tapari, which is directly translated as a killing device. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the word relv and the word parbel, or a shaver, are are now so much commonly used that nobody even thinks of them as, as invented words.
1: Yeah, I think I was I was reading about this this general in history, Johannes Arvik, who, who basically mm-hmm. went through this process in the early nineteen hundreds of saying, you know, we need to take Estonian from being effectively almost you know, not to be deprecating, but kind of a, a peasant language or a, or a day-to-day operational language, and make it a you know literary, literary language or a, an, an advanced language for today's society. So you mentioned um, you know this weapon instead of yeah war tool or, or whatever it was. Words for um, crime instead of evil deed. Um, to convince someone, rather than saying, to put it into believing, for example, with some of the words <laughs> that he, he, he made throughout the early 1900s. And, um, and really kind of, uh, and, and his legacy has kind of kept going over time in terms of developing the language and modernizing it, and making sure to your point, Martin, that it is a universal language. You know, There's nothing that can't in today's society be expressed through the, the native language.
2: I think we should cherish what we have because it's really, really unique. Uh, it, it, it's like a, a rhinoceros, the black rhinoceros. There are very few of them left and we should, we should cherish that. We should keep it dear and we should make sure that it grows and develops because as you mentioned, let's, it has come a long way from being a peasant language where you can speak about maybe rye and bread and water and, and, and stuff, basic stuff like that into a language where, you know, international great science is being done on a daily basis. And, 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 I, and I think coming back to the very beginning uh, of, you know, the fact that the Estonian state exists only to preserve the cultural language, mm. I think we, should, we shouldn't belittle that, and we should somehow think about this, especially on days like on Monday, uh, and be even when we raise our kids, they, they are very prone to... On Minecraft and whatever, uh, <laughs> to switch to English all the time, uh, to make sure that they, we have a, a, a generation in the future as well that speak Estonian language not only on a colloquial level, meaning koksu uh, but also uh, people that can, can philosophize, can discuss politics, literature, um, finer things in life uh, in Estonia. Great point. And teach others to do the same, even if it's just for. The, the, the pleasure
1: of doing party tricks uh, yeah. ten years down the track. Do you feel I'll, ch- I'll say I'll, I'll put out the challenging question? Um, obviously, I've been in Estonia through an, an interesting political time where there's been a lot of different different kind of themes and um, you know protectionism and, and globalization and whatever have been big themes for the last couple of years that I've been here. Um, part of that is this like threat to the Estonian language. Like we are going to lose our language because of this. Do you as Estonians? feel that your language is under threat? And if so, is it more by, uh, for example, like Russian-speaking people, a community within Estonia, or you think it's more um, under threat of, of globalization or being diluted by, by English being, you know, a, more of a business language or something like that?
3: Honestly speaking, I don't feel, feel a threat okay, at good. all <laughs> right now. And uh, seeing every day how many people want to learn the language how many
4: really reach to the B one, one more level? So I think it's really good time for Eastern language right now. Yeah, maybe I, I will. yeah, Martin, and you will finish it up because from my point of view, I also don't see that uh, that threat for for Estonian language because, like Estonians, from my point of view, so what I see, they really, really kind of. I care about their language. They uh, really kind of maintain the language within the like in everyday life. And uh, uh, again, coming back to the to the English or Russian, I think that with the technology sector being like like one of the biggest part of the Estonian economy, you have to you have to know this is English language. But uh, I I really consider it as a being uh, aware of the math or physics or chem chemi- so chemicals, so it's it's uh, the same with the Estonian language. If you are in a tech-, tech industry, so you have to know you have to speak English. Right, but okay. I don't think that it's uh, spread for, for for Estonian language because it's not coming from uh, business or uh, any other business activities. It's coming from 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 Estonian people uh, as as such. So you you, you, you cannot change it and uh, yeah i don't know what you think about russian but uh, i also uh, i i know a lot of people from russia who really like study in estonia and i know a lot of people uh without like uh, being estonian who study here from like grade 1 to grade 10 and they speak perfect estonian so it's i think it's like okay. normal for, for good this yeah a okay. good really, if you are here and if you decide that you want to live here so this is uh, this is the way and a lot of people kind of uh, enjoying this journey so <laughs> yeah Thank you. I, I, I,
2: I agree with what Mon- i agree also what with daniel said and the fact that there are people like daniel and there are hundreds if not thousands of them uh is also proof to the fact that i think this is a golden era for the estonian language yes because Look, first of all, Estonian is one of the official languages of the European Union. Estonian language is being printed on the Euronote. Uh, Estonian language is being spoke is being studied by more foreigners than it has ever been, and I think Estonian language is is, is very well adapting, you know, to modernity. Uh, and, and I think we should avoid uh, being somehow stagnant or being. Uh, Thinking that the golden era is somewhere behind us and we should preserve the language as some sort of a museum piece. Mm. I, I think we need to move forward and we need to invent new words. Uh, and, and if some Englishisms uh, slip in, then then that's fine. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's a living, strong language and uh, has is going strong, stronger than ever.
1: I like that, I like that sentiment. And, and you're 100% right, it's probably never been more popular um, with, with foreigners than it is today. Um, okay, with that, thank you so much. Um, this has actually been incredibly insightful for me. Um, also given me a, a massive, uh, kick in the butt to to get back on those Estonian lessons and stick with it and make sure that I'm, I'm I'm really committing to it and opening my eye up to this other half of of the culture that I'm not getting today so thank you so much guys really really appreciate your time um enjoy the rest of your weekend and happy native language day on monday
3: <laughs> thank you
1: bye <laughs>
0: Imagine spending the previous night Netflix and chilling. Imagine having spoken to your mom, telling her you love her all across the other part of Europe. And then imagine if uh, you were arguing with your sister that the next time you met her, you're going to have a particular type of topping on your pizza. Now imagine waking up and then realizing that your favorite pizzeria is no more because now it's in the rubble. Imagine waking up, to find out that your mom or your loved one is no more. Imagine waking up to find out that the school that you actually attended, that was once your favorite place in the whole world, is also no more. Now imagine if you didn't have to imagine. For some people, this has been a reality. My name is Solis Rose. Welcome to Talent Talks, Episode 9. In today's interview, we're talking about the aftermath of the Ukrainian war. Now, on the 24th of February, um, some bad news came in for all of us, but for particularly people from Ukraine. And Talent has opened its borders to them. We've talked about the refugees. We've talked about the political aspect. We've talked about so many things. But today, we want to focus on other Ukrainians who actually live in Tallinn. Those who probably came in a little bit earlier and those who have lived here longer and who actually um, are residents here. want to talk to them, want to pick their thoughts. How did they receive their news to find out one morning that the place they call home is on fire? In the studio I have here with me Jane, Bordhan and Christina. Thank you very much for joining us. I see that you got teary eyed because of my intro. Yeah, uh,
5: yeah, actually, because you, what you were talking is was just the things that I actually am afraid of imagining now, because I remember Ukraine as I left it. And uh, now I am afraid of coming to my home and seeing it just quietly different. Because till, you know, it may, may sound very stupid, but no, till I not. remember it's Ukraine also. like this, it exists in my mind like this. and Like what? Tell us. Like a beautiful country, like my home, uh, like a lot of places I've been visiting. Because um, due to my work, I, I deal with flowers. And I, I'm a flower wholesaler and uh, uh, to start these businesses we visited all places in Ukraine. Like basically all flower shops in uh, all villages and cities and I've been to each city and each place in Ukraine. And now I cannot believe that this Kharkiv I now see is the Kharkiv I've been to. Is Kharkiv where I had my friends and we were chatting like each week when the flowers were coming to them. The same in Skiv, the same in Odessa, the same in Kherson, the same in Armuzinka, the same in all the places to which we were supplying flowers and where we had friends. And I cannot, uh, I cannot believe that those places do not exist anymore like, like it was.
0: What are your thoughts? She she's shared how she feels. Jane, how do you feel?
6: Mm, sometimes I really forget that it's real. And uh, really, like, I remember only yesterday I texted with one of my friends who uh, really, like, I, I really don't know many times what to say to my friends there, to my friends who left. Uh, And of course it's like become normal to feel guilt for all of Ukrainians wherever they are or like our friends from other countries. And also when yesterday I texted with her in one moment, I really forgot like I'm not at home. Even I'm studying here from the September and uh, okay, I get used to this place, but still talking with people, I really can forget that it's nowadays our real life but maybe because like this a little bit I can say scared came to me earlier like the months before it was really hard for me to study I I don't know like two days before war I I spent all nights crying and it was not scare. I was just so sorry for my neighbors for my country there was like no scare that we will lose it or something like that i was just so sorry that we have to go through it and now when i listen all of the stories uh, sometimes i feel like i have no emotions just because uh, like people saying so emotional and i don't have power to be emotional or say like, yeah, I understand you because I wasn't there when it happened. I heard all these stories. I have seen photos, videos. Yeah, I feel like I was there, but I haven't. So sometimes it's just, I, I can't say that, yeah, I understand it.
0: Mm. Well Talk to us oh. how, um, obviously they're getting emotional and it's totally understandable. I'm getting emotional. Um, how she she spoke about guilt, and this is something that is very important. Not being there, being Ukrainian, but not having been there, like firsthand to experience what's happening. Do you feel some guilt?
7: I I I have talked with many of my friends when the war started, and uh, many of them who is here, they they are feeling this but i don't feel because i know that we need to be united now it's not time to be weak and that's why we organize humanitarian aid uh like helping people as a lawyer i also helping some people uh, who came here as refugees so when those weak moment is like coming to you, maybe a bit you feel, but you understand that it's not time for this. So you need to be focused. We are like their nation fighting, but uh, Ukrainians there need to understand that they are not alone. Those people who are in Estonia, fin- Finland and other countries, they are also like one team. We are working for our win. So. A bit maybe yes, but overall I don't feel guilty because I know that we will contribute in our victory in the future.
0: Okay, now walk us through how you found out about the war. I particularly, my phone was off, um, was on air- airplane because I was at the independence grounds for the flag hoisting. I was really happy, it was the first time I was going to like, you know, witness this in Estonia. And then by 9 a.m. my phone was exploding because I had so many messages from different media houses asking me what is happening in Estonia, how Estonians reacting. I'm like, wait, what? What's happening? Then I found out and I am like in shock. How did that news come to you?
7: Uh... I, I have uh, checked news and I understood the tension between uh, on the border and... But I, by the end I didn't believe that it could happen, like I didn't believe that they like will really do this, like uh, try to occupy my country. But uh, it was very long day before, I have been working a long, long time and I just went to sleep and turned off the internet, of course, and sleep longer next day, and uh, after I turned on my internet, uh, my phone like was beeping, I think, like two minutes uh, without any moment of rest. It was like uh, everybody was writing me and uh, all the news uh, channels uh, wrote in their like places that the war started, the militaries in Ukraine. And after I start to call all my friends and say, "Look, because many of them live in in Kiev and in the, those cities which were first actually, and I ask, "How are you or what is really going on? Is it fake? maybe not or what what's going on?" And yeah, it was my that's how I get this and what was my first steps, what I did after I get known about this, yeah yeah
0: now how about you, Christina? Where were you? You have quite a unique story, so share that with us.
5: I was in Poland um, uh, because, uh, as I told, I deal with flowers. I have flower businesses in Ukraine, and uh, every year, between uh, before Women's Day, we buy a lot of tulips from Polish grower. So on Wednesday, I came to him. I have chosen and uh, looked at the quality, chosen all the tulips, and on Thursdays they had to be packed. And on Thursday in the morning I get up. I was in hotel and uh, my brother calls me and tells that we were bombed. I thought how I cannot imagine what what happened. I do not understand. And I called to the grower and said sorry. I do not understand what is happening. Let's postpone. For one day, for us to understand what will be next. But during this day, actually, everything was getting worse, 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 and worse. Um, and the news were just coming. I was like paralyzed those first day because my family was there. My family. All my family, all people from my company, they were there, and I was like along here. And but I had, I usually have responsibility on me because I rule the company and I'm responsible for my people. So I had to take decisions and to make them to. And to do something, to do something with the flowers which I couldn't uh, return to the grower, to do something with the packing, to uh, to tell something for my people. We organized a meeting. I have a team of 20 people and they were waiting for me to say something and to explain them what is happening and what will be happening next. And I did not have any explanations. I just could tell them that I will do the best to uh, to
6: make our little world work. That's what I could tell. Jane, where were you? Uh, I was at home and I, I just wake up and yeah, I had just a few plans with my friends and in the next moment uh, my neighbor, my friend came to me and said you know, and I was like, as you said like, what what is going on? Even uh, like before that, it, it, it's so funny. Uh, one moment that I had to came to Ukraine for just a uh, few days uh, to visit doctor, and uh, there was two days when I ha- had to had to come. But it changed. First, it was 16 uh, when like uh, everybody was ready because like the West said, yeah, it will be the day of um, like starting this aggression and. Uh, My parents said, uh, like, there was a a different reason we changed the date, and uh, we changed it to the 23rd. And maybe a few days before I called to my parents, and they said, "Eh, maybe we'll wait a little bit. Uh, Like, if nothing happened, there's, like, no worry, but, like, better you stay there. Yeah, but uh, even, like... Uh, I trusted my parents in their decision, even we didn't talk uh, all the, like, details. Yeah, and, uh, but I had this feeling, like, I prepared myself for everything could happen. Like, uh, I already knew that few of my friends there went to this army or, like, different defense that there is in our country. And, again, when I just knew, uh, I, I don't know why, but I was like, "Whoa, okay, what are going? What will be next?" And also, like, as you uh, had like a team, and we made few projects. Like, even I stayed here. We uh, had organized like this music event, and in the morning, the first message that, that I get, it's not like the war started. I get, "Okay, our event is uh, like canceled." Yeah, and I was like, "What's going on?" Yeah, and like the mm. first few hours, maybe, yeah, it was really messy. Like I called with all my friends, like um, with few alumnus, uh from the academy where I studied because it's like a really um, big circle of people who I trust and they're really proactive always. So we tried to figure it out something, but yeah, it was really messy because like no one, okay, maybe... Some people were expecting it, even like mm. in the government, but nobody was really nobody thought ready. it would actually, actually yeah. happen. It's one thing expecting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. it
6: was like, okay, I have a plan, a but, usual, but no, I don't It's the usual, like, have. yeah,
0: there's threats and just, you know, trying to scare you, but it's yeah. probably not going to happen. Yeah. And then it happened. Now, um, I'm going to go a little bit more, like, deeper. Um, has anyone experienced um, any loss, friends, family? Um, has anyone
7: passed away from anyone? Uh, in my in my case, like um, my friends were who living in Kiev was out uh, by that days when it started, and uh, another friend uh, she evacuated like after two, two days after uh, it started. Mm. So probably not many friends in Odessa. They are still waiting occupant and ready to fight. So, yeah. but uh, no losses, and I'm hopefully feel that it don't need to be happened okay. so.
5: maybe maybe I'm a little bit on the light side because I live in western part of Ukraine and yeah. live and now it's the city of volunteers, yeah. the city of territorial defense, the city of humanitarian aid, the city of helping yeah. <laughs> and uh well, my girls who are florists now are perfect in making Molotov cocktails, and <laughs> the usual joke in our city is that oh, Russians have eight more rockets. Great, they have eight rockets less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, basically, it's the mood uh, what we have. Mm. But uh, um, but we also had questions for help. From uh, from our clients, from Mm -hmm. our partners, from eastern regions, we uh, we try to organize them, help. We try to provide them shelter in Lviv, and there are basically very awful stories and very horrors. Uh, It's uh, something that is beyond human comprehension because Mm. uh, the war is not also cannot be made this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are. As I was
0: explained, there are rules of war also, and... Well, they're supposed to be. Yeah. But it doesn't always pan out that way. Um, Now, let's talk about here, being here in Estonia. Um, One of the things that came up, and I remember specifically that day when I interviewed a few people on that day about the way, what had happened and how Estonians in general felt, um, the, the sentiment was that there were those who had been who had been alive, who had experienced the Soviet occupation, were feeling this sense of, it might, it's kind of like feeling that in the air, um, this sense of fear. Do you feel a little bit safer in Estonia? Mm
6: -hmm.
0: I be honest,
6: like, yeah.
0: When it started, many
6: people said, oh, you're lucky. And I said, please don't say that. Mm -hmm. Like, I was really angry, I was mad. It was like the words, like don't say,
0: don't say that you're lucky because yeah. you're somewhere in a different country. Yeah. So you don't feel safe, or you? What exactly is it? Is it that you feel safe, but you? It's you an- know
6: because uh, like, mm, okay, it's strange, but at last time I uh, hear many things like okay, it's a positive side of all war situation and what's happened and. The positive side is that people become more knowledge and or they reflect some mm-hmm. things for themselves. And also um, about this saveness or something like that, mm-hmm. I ask not to say that I'm lucky because uh, from the beginning I understood like I don't uh, afraid uh, like death, but I afraid the life without uh, the sense, without. And my sense is my country because okay. I wanted and I, I still want to study here and come back mm. there and help and like rebuild country. It was like my aim to come here mm. to study and get this knowledge. So, also. Yeah, I, I felt this maybe a um, few days later when there became some rumors about, oh, there's these uh, shapes of Russian, they're close to the border of Estonia. And I, I, I have seen a little afraid on the people, and there was like, oh, maybe we also need to get ready, mm-hmm. buy some stuff or food or something like that. But I don't know, like, um, I still have this feeling like that, the. Ukrainian Army it's the only that I trust like they're only who can stop it and I, I feel safe only like because of them and uh, yeah they like they're
0: fighting for you yeah
6: and in one moment I understood like okay if something will happen here how about you I feel uh,
7: like as uh, she said physically I feel safe like by a human being, but uh, emotionally and psychologically. I don't feel I'm living in that uh, news environment where I see every day like the death, like destroyed buildings, like dead kids, and it's awful to feel this. You can feel uh, here safe, but you don't like, it's like very strange to explain. Like I was very confused from the beginning. I was mostly not scared, but very confused. I didn't understand how I can act here and uh, how we can organize some help or something. Because as a soldier, I, I'm not a soldier, I, I have all be, always been an like, uh, intellectual part uh, of the society and create and help people from the different side, and not with the gun. And uh, I was thinking, what is the next step, how I can act in the Estonia, uh, to start to help our people there, or like military mm. territorial defense, or just uh, people mm. like uh, who need help. Okay. So the safety is like, um, it's like, it's uh, like in Estonian they say we have word enam vahem. It's like so so you feel yeah. so so safe.
0: Let's talk about your interaction here. One of the things that has popped up across the world, you know, sanctions have been enforced. Um, a lot of Russian citizens and Russian businesses um, are being affected by these sanctions. Now, let's talk about it from a social perspective. Being Ukrainian, um, of course, understanding generally that not everyone would be, every Russian citizen would be in support of what Putin is doing. That That goes without saying. How have you being able to interact with your Russian friends, colleagues, I know you're in school, and I know mm-hmm. probably you might have some interaction with some Russian colleagues and friends. How, ha- how has that been like navigating those kinds of situations?
5: Actually, uh, the first days of war, um, my florists from my team, they have been writing to their colleagues in Russia mm. because they did not believe that uh, they know what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And they received such answers as, what are you talking about? Uh, You're insane or trying to play us or something like that. Actually, it was only for one day that, then we stopped any communication, we stopped any further trying to, to get them acquainted with the situation. They do not want. Mm. If they do not want it. We have other problems to we'll decide.
0: Ah, mm. oh, well, Have you have you had? How has your relationship with your Russian colleagues and friends and gen- in general? How has that? How has this been? How has it been affected or impacted by mm-hmm. this, the situation?
7: Uh, honestly, I have d- don't have uh, so many Russian friends. I don't have them at all, because uh, I have my opinion about Russian as a nation, and I can share with you. I don't want to offend anybody, but. Uh, when we protested uh, near the embassy of Russian Federation, there, there was a few Russian, mm-hmm. And uh, someone wrote in the Facebook group, in experts like, look, Russians are protesting also. Mm-hmm. The guy was standing with the passport saying, like, I'm sh- yeah. ashamed. Yeah, I respect yeah. that guy, okay. But I have a question to them. I also wrote to the admin and also Russian people, like, why I need to protest near your embassy? Why I haven't seen you as you are like many of you are living in Tallinn, you are like a big community. Yeah. Why don't you don't show up? Position this is individual position, like mm-hmm. with one passport is one stuff. But uh, only few people from Ru- with the Russian citizens uh, came and show up and say, We are Russian, we are sorry. But here is like so many of them. Mm-hmm. So, and I have a question to them why they didn't show up here? What they are waiting for? I, I don't understand their logic. And I would not really want to understand now. Mm. So because for me it's very painful topic. And uh, one uh, my colleague from the uh, language school wrote me like, "Look, we are like I don't support this, of course, but why you didn't uh, was wasn't against this before? Like all these years when you grow up that regime in Russia. Mm. So now when the critical situation and the people are, are against, but before they didn't." Uh, did anything actually to prevent this. So that's that's my opinion about them.
0: Hmm, okay. Would, 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 would you not think that that would probably be a bit of like a sentimental point of view, considering that probably for um, some citizens, um, especially having grown up under that regime, and understanding you know the political climate that it is and knowing fully well that there have been several reports of even people um, you know protesting in Russia itself and Moscow and the rest and being you know imprisoned and and you know, so many different t- types of persecutions so It is. There are public reports that this is happening. But if you look at the way it's happening and the consequences of that, might it not be a valid sort of reason for someone to, let's say maybe they're afraid um, to step up, not because they're not against it, but because they are afraid? And would that not be like a valid position to have that afraid, being afraid of persecution could be a valid reason not to stand up for something, no matter how cowardly it might sound.
7: I agree with you. Let me <laughs> we'll finish that thought. And uh, I was talking about those who are living in Estonia. Mm. They will not be prosecuted. They they were not going to, to go to Russia or something to live. They were going to stay and continue work, live, build the families here, but they didn't show up here so much. So your whole uh, issue is the that they didn't
0: show up to support during the protest. They didn't, you know, come together and stand as a united front yeah, against they, what was happening.
7: I think they need to be first, not the expats, not uh, like many Georgians came, Ukrainians, mm-hmm. like why we need to be there. We, of, of course we need to be there, but they need to be first. They need to fight for, for, for with this regime. So of course I agree that uh, in Russia they're scared to go to the prisons. but. There are like 140 something millions, if I'm not wrong. So why they could not show up? They will not have any room for them to put them in the prison. But I don't have answers for this. I can't understand this uh, Russian mentality, I'm sorry. Okay,
0: Kristina.
5: Everyone has choice. Mm -hmm. And every choice has price. And uh, now our people are choosing to die for their country, are choosing to die for their families. It's very hard choice for them. But they are accused to our military uh, to get to be to to, to become military. They are accused, yeah. yeah. And there is not so just that if they come out in the streets, they will be persecuted. Okay, then they can go out of the country and then. Shout out what they think and what they want to say. There are always many ways, mm. and but to do this, you have to be free inside.
0: Mm. That's very valid. Yeah,
6: yeah like okay, uh, when it started, uh, yeah, there was few of my friends who said like I'm sorry, or like they didn't live there for a really long time. They don't uh, like. Uh, calling themselves, like, yeah, I'm Russian, they mostly feel like they're Estonians, yeah. but, yeah, they ask how I am, something like that, and in this point, I can't blame them, like, for, I don't know, okay, I can't blame them, but there's only few people who, after that, made everything they can, like, they helped the refugees with, like, money, with everything, but, um, this war, as we said, like no one expected and or like we we couldn't realize that it would happen, and also, from these points, it become um like everyone understood, like there is some questions that you uh, have to answer exactly, not saying like, I don't know, or I'm sorry or something like that. You have to do something or you with that or you against. And if you're against, you have to do something. Mm. And okay, uh, thanks for my friends and they do at least something, but I forget what is feeling sorry for the people who are saying, I'm scary, I'm just scary. From my childhood, I remember I asked my parents why why it's still there, why they can't do the same that we made a few years ago. And uh, like, okay, there was some answers from my parents, but it doesn't matter because it's the same. Like. You're scared for that your life will be changed. Okay. You're scared that you'll go for the prison for some years. Okay. But you don't scare for your future or I, I don't know. Like I really s- stopped to understand them because uh, before that maybe I believed. Okay, they tried the best. They tried a little something, but. Um, at this moment, when um, like it's become even jokes, yeah, Ukrainians start to create many memes, and one of them become like these uh, photos uh, where like our cities or um, homes they're really like n- look like nothing, and uh, the same place there's written this phrase: "Oh no, I don't have Spotify." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> so I don't know. It's uh, the 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 moment when you become feeling maybe cynical but I'm sorry but like how it can be understood
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so um, let's talk about news um, how being in Estonia how have you been um, following news like how do you get news about you know what's going on at home you know phone calls uh, news any particular news platforms or how do you get your information about the news? Uh,
5: first of all, through uh, different Telegram bots, okay. because there are a lot of them highlighting like online. Okay. Uh, then I have uh, like bot uh, that tells about every air alarm in my city mm. when it starts and when it finishes. Uh, every two three hours, I have like message from uh, from my brother. It can be just a smile. But this smile will tell that everything is good now. And <laughs> I first days I read all the news and then I understood that it makes me like paralyzes me. The main news are from my family. They they tell me what's happening. And of course all friends, all all people whom I trust, they also post like the most important things that are happening. So, day and night, you know, you know everything.
0: Mm.
7: I... I think that most uh, my sources are Telegram, also those mm. groups where some of the politicians like updating or like uh, directly people or like military even, if it's like allowed uh, updating with the situation and uh, on the front situation. And second, my source, it's actually um, I listen the streams of the bloggers also who analyze all those Telegram together. And by streams, they're collecting money for uh, humanitarian aid also. And we organize uh, in Copley 70A some center for refugees where they can get the clothes for kids or mm. uh, everybody, actually men, teenagers. And many people are coming there like, just who arrived in Estonia like same day or day before, they update with the real local um, like mm-hmm. situation where they came from. Like for example, from Vienna, they say that just eight rockets uh, went to airport and then they decide to leave the country. So uh, and many stories, many people mm-hmm. from Kharkov, which is very destroyed, and. Uh, you feel those emotions and people come to you, they they, they don't know many, like nothing actually, about Estonia or something. They just escape and when they come to you, they want to share yeah. with you those emotions which they kept before coming here. So, and you need to be like stronger for them because you need to help them. You need to take their emotions and for us, it's also hard. We don't see the rockets here, but as if you are Ukrainian anywhere in the world, it's it's very hard to... This time, it's hard for us.
0: Mm, Okay. Um, It's obviously, I can see, even talking to all of you, how difficult this is for you. Um, I can't relate because I haven't been in this position, but I can commiserate with you and your brothers and sisters. Um, What we can do right now is to give you an opportunity to talk to the camera and, first of all, tell Estonians something and then send a message out to your... Friends, family, brothers and sisters in Ukraine and all your Ukrainian people across the world. Christina?
5: All my life I'm a doer. I do all the time something. And now we created project FlowersForUkraine.com. It's a charity project. All profit for it will go to Save Life in UA and other charity. Uh, charity organization we also collect now animal food for animal shelters because in ukraine in our normal life we always supported them and they need support because there are so many animals left now and also our live defense cluster as as I'm from Lviv and many people know me there. uh, They ask for a lot of of stuff, a lot of medicine. And uh, if you ever cross me in Tallinn searching for some strange things, I search those things for them. It's uh, what we can do now, because we are in better position here in Tallinn than people there in Ukraine. And as Bogdan said, we have to be strong now. We have to be helpful now, because we connect we connect both these worlds. We know what's happening there and here. And I believe that we can also make the difference, and we can also contribute to our victory. Thank you very much.
7: Uh, I need uh, to speak to Estonian people. Uh, I, I was going to make it in Estonian, but I, I feel... <laughs> well, I've
0: you be- can try. I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure they yeah, will I, understand. I
7: uh, I'm really, uh, really, really thankful for Estonian people. I see how they are afraid of uh, this situation, even being here. And I see how they giving last salaries, last uh, baby clothes and stuff for Ukrainians. And when they come to, to our center, we also collect their humanitarian aid, and many Estonians uh, come and how they would like to share those emotions also. And i really happy to be in the... and proud to be in this nation, to live in this society with the Estonians, because uh, Ukrainians will never forget this, uh, your aid, your help to everybody, to refugees that came to, for everything what you bring to my office, to another places, uh, for helping people and kids and mothers. And uh, I have so many emotions now when I'm talking because uh, I, I don't know how to say thank you for you. It's it's like a great nation for me. So if any Estonian like listening now, this, uh, you need to know that you are Parim you Inimene. Yeah.
6: You know, sometimes reading the news and not sometimes, I feel that I can do nothing uh, at the moment. But then I go outside and I see that Estonians are really like, they feel the same. Uh, They feel uh, their responsibility also. And uh, even sometimes uh, nowadays, people saying, oh, West doesn't do anything, but I see that it's not true. Or even like for Estonia, it's not true. Estonia made many things, the first one, and uh, really many of my friends uh, sending me some news, oh, you see Estonia said this, or Estonia made this, and many of Ukrainians I really appreciate, and uh, I think kind of, creating fun club of estonians even like you're also a small nation uh as we or uh, even smaller but you do really really great job Uh, because even when i uh, think like ukrainians are really stand together and doing everything they can but uh, you're doing the same and you're standing with us in any in in any way that you can. And for Ukrainians, I want to say like, um, yeah, stay strong because we will end it as we started together and it will happen soon, I believe. We just need to be wise and uh, do our best like we can. I would also
5: like to say thank you to all of you because what you are no, now doing for us is a miracle. you are doing miracle to every person you help. you change the life of this person very much. A lot of Estonians now change lives of me and of my team and I'm really thankful for you. what you are doing is is, is really great. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much Jane. Mm -hmm. Christina, hold on. I know there's so much more to talk about and I know that it's not over for you even when this episode ends, but uh, we're here, we're praying with you, we're standing with you. Um, If there's anything else we can do, please reach out to us and let us know. Whatever Talent Talks can do to help, let us know. And we'll definitely, as much as possible, try our best to support in every little way that we can. So thank you so much for being here and for being vulnerable with us and for sharing your stories with us. And uh, I pray for all of you. Thank you.
6: Thank Thank you you very much.
0: So we've talked about a lot. They did most of the talking. You can see that I'm a little bit teary eyed. It's okay. It's okay to be human. It's okay to stand for justice and stand for the right thing. If you wish to donate, remember that uh, there are different collection centers across the various district administrations there uh, you're open to donate clothing, shoes, food, and all that. You can find more information of that on the talent.ee website. You can also um, find more information about how to help and support the war refugees by visiting www.ukrainehex.ee. You can also donate to the Estonian Red Cross or become a volunteer. Simply visit www.redcross.ee for more information. And that's it for episode nine of Talent Talks. Now, if you want more local news content, then subscribe to the Talent in Brief English newsletter today. The newsletter, which comes out once a month, provides a great overview of what is happening in the capital. You can also find a subscription link to this podcast in the description below. Now also, if you live in the city center or you're just interested in everyday updates from Keskelin or maybe you have some questions or you wish to share your thoughts with the local authorities, then join the Tallinn City Center for Expats, official Facebook community administered by the Tallinn City Center government. Don't forget to subscribe to the Tallinn Talks YouTube channel as well whilst you're at it. My name is Solis Rose Quarte. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next month. Bye.